Hello, and welcome back to Crypto Sapiens. I am your host, Humpty Calderon. And today we are chatting with Philip Silva, the founding advisor at BrightID. We talk about digital identity, social graphs, and how BrightID works. As Philip says, BrightID is a verification that you exist once within any given context. Further explaining that BrightID can be used for different personas, allowing you to present yourself how you choose depending on that context. BrightID also provides a level of civil resistance to applications that wish to validate that each person is participating once. He gives the example of the CLR fund wanting to distribute $250,000 from the ETH Foundation to Latin American projects uh, at ETH Columbia using quadratic funding. They want anyone in the world to participate, but how do they know that they're participating only once? And lastly, we go over the latest update to Bright ID, Aura, a multiplayer game of sorts where anyone is welcome to play to help verify those that they know. As Philip says, this is the future of Bright ID. So without further ado, let's get started. Uh, yeah, so my name is Philip Silva. I go by UBI promoter on a bunch of social media kind of things. Uh, I've been in the crypto space a little bit since 2013 uh, and fully living in, in the rabbit hole uh, since 2017. Um, been involved in lots of sort of public good kind of things like Bright ID, which we'll go into a lot, Gitcoin, uh, CLR fund, and also deeply involved in the founding of a bunch of the most prominent venture capital DAOs, uh, the whole tribute DAO ecosystem. So was involved in helping to uh, get the Lao and Flamingo DAO and a bunch of others uh, set up and running. Um, but but really where my where my passion is, is, is using these tools to, to make the world a better place. And that's that's how that's how I got to bread ID and identity. Uh, I should never have been involved in any of that. I have no experience in that prior. Um, in 2017, in the height of the bull run, I was getting all excited. This thing I'd believed in for years was uh, was growing. People were caring, and I wouldn't shut up about it. And my wife, who doesn't care about technology or money, was like, "I don't want to hear about this unless you can tell me what good it does for the world." And I didn't immediately have a good answer, did some soul searching and came up with the idea that crypto UBI could change everything, could, could end poverty for all people forever. You know, we have these new financial systems that can have a different like genesis of how money works. And I had this epiphany that we could have, you know, imagine something like Bitcoin, uh, where instead of proof of work, for for the distribution of the initial Genesis coins, imagine it just went to everyone. Um, had the wonderful opportunity to sit down and have lunch with Gavin Andreessen, who took over for Satoshi um, in, in, in Bitcoin. And uh, he was interested enough to sit down, have some whiteboard sessions with me and walked away going, okay, maybe this is, this is more interesting than I thought when you first started talking. But, but you need decentralized identity in order to do the thing you want. And I was like, okay, cool, we'll, we'll, we'll go do that. That didn't sound that hard to me, not knowing anything. Uh, that was in tw early 2018, and I've been working on it ever since. Um, also in early 2018, I found Adam Stollard, uh, who had this idea for something he called Bright ID. It didn't exist at that point, but we worked extensively together until we sort of launched it uh, at the very beginning of 2019 uh, at the Ericon er conference in Germany. 
uh, and have been slowly building uh, and evolving it ever since. That's wonderful. I mean, I like that evolution of thinking from, you know, your kind of interest in this space, um, your wife kind of uh, helping you modulate some of those thoughts that you were having, going and doing more research, and then applying some of maybe the thinking from like a project like Bitcoin to, you know, decentralized identity in general. And then seeing that become, uh, or at least influence, what Bright ID has become. So why don't you walk me through Bright ID briefly, and uh, maybe we can frame the conversation from some of the things that you said just moments ago, which I really want to dive into, especially based on the current situation with crypto. You were talking about building tools to make the space a better place. You were talking about using financial systems to improve the world. So Let's talk about Bright ID. Let's introduce that. And let's see if we can find a way to kind of frame that from that, those perspectives. All right. We'll try. We'll try to be brief. It can be tough with Bright ID. Um, so th- the basic idea is, is Bright ID uh, is a verification that, that you exist once within any given context. So you should be able to show up to any website or any chat forum or any application and say, Hey, I belong here. I get, I get to, I get to be, I get to be a participant. And either you recognize that you've seen me before, and that's cool, or you haven't seen me before, and that's, and that's cool. Um, but that you are, you are one, one individual. Every, like every human should be able to show up, and that's, that's all you need. Uh, the example that I often give, and which you have liked, is right now, if you want to go get a drink at a bar. What you need to do is prove you're over 21. What you actually do is hand them your license, which has your name and your address and your hair color and your birth date, none of which they needed, right? They didn't even need to know your birthday. They needed a binary answer from some trusted party, the DMV, that you're over 21. There should be some like technological way that you could show a green check mark on your phone and everyone agrees that like, yes, like that, that completed the, the completed the package and you validated that you were, that you were over 21. Bright ID seeks to do just that. You show up, you can prove, hey, I, I, I'm, 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 I'm one user here. You haven't seen me before or you have seen me and you know it. Uh, that's it. You know nothing else about me, right? Facebook has a trove of information about you and they do some things that you would not like them to do with that data. Bright ID doesn't have any data about you at all. It, it, it has no interest in sharing that data with, with anyone. Um, and makes darn sure it's not going to share it by not even collecting it in the first place. Okay, so there's a few things here I think we can unpack. First of all, from the lens of that comment you made earlier about building tools to make the space a better place, how do you think maybe firstly decentralized identity, but maybe more specifically Bright ID, is helping to achieve that? Uh, Let's see. So right now the uh, CLR fund is running a, a quadratic grant matching Round. Uh, there's only five days left. I don't know when this will go out, but people should check out the East East Columbia uh, CLR round. Um, but they're trying to figure out how to use quadratic funding to uh, distribute a bunch of uh, $250,000 from the Ethereum Foundation to a bunch of Latin American projects that are that are deserving. They don't want to figure. They don't want to decide that themselves. They want community buy-in. Quadratic funding is great, but it requires that each person only participate once. And how do you do that? They want anyone in the world to be able to participate. So how do you how do you validate that someone gets to participate once 
so that they can do this, this really cool, great sort of governance structure that's got math behind it. There's all kinds of benefits to using this tech, but it 100% needs Sybil uh, resistance, that Sybil resistance is one account per person, uh, in order to not, not fall apart. Okay. So what I'm hearing is there are applications in the world, especially looking at this from a funding perspective, uh, that can benefit from uh, having this unique identity, having a provable identity. Right. So that that's what it boils down to. Um, Lots of applications face this problem, whether they realize it or not. They, they, so many things face this problem of having, having, like knowing that the user belongs and isn't taking advantage. Um, so it's a, it's a communal problem that everybody has. There's lots of micro solutions to it. Embreddity offers a foundational solution that they can all use. That's that's not messing with with the individual, and it's 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 not like um, it's not causing another application to have a problem. They're not sharing information, so two applications that hate each other can both use Bright ID. Um, you can you can use you can use Bright ID uh, as different personas. So I, I have I have one one me right I I am I, I have like one soul uh, you could say but but maybe I'm I'm a family man to my to my kids and I go and but I and and usually I'm I'm you know the the the, the crypto guy you see here but maybe I go onto some online forum and you know I pretend to be uh, you know a chipmunk and and that. That's cool because, like, in that particular context, I want to be a chipmunk, and that's fine. Like, it's the chi- you know, it's the chipmunk convention. Cool. That's a that's a persona, um, and Bright ID allows you to show up in any as any persona you want in any community, but just once. Right. So what I'm hearing is it it really just Bright ID allows you to bring yourself um, in kind of any. Uh, way that you see yourself to in, in different contexts. I, I wanted to kind of like bring that word back, by the way. So I'm, I'm going to try to loop this in here. You can bring yourself in, in into a variety of applications, but uh, depending on the context, you can bring yourself in different ways, right? So the word context is something that for me personally has been uh, uh, influential in the way that I think about identity, but also reputation, right? So as you know, I also contribute uh, to identity and reputation projects and then building uh, some of my own. And this idea of context, I think, is something that we really need to explore a little bit more. And so I wonder if we can do that here. Um, Tell me or maybe briefly walk me through what you think context means in terms of identity. And maybe we can maybe we can also bridge that in terms of like, how does that context Present itself in terms of someone's uh, reputation as well. When you, let's say you go to a new, you go to a new school. Nobody knows you there. You get to walk in and and be be it be your new self. You the things you said before don't matter. The attitudes you had, like you get to walk in and be a new self to that new group of people, and that's 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 great. There's so much opportunity in being able to being able to do that. Um, you are still one you, though. 
right? So in the context, you you are you are this you are this this kind this kind this kind of person. Um, in reality, there's this super complicated you behind the scenes, but but they don't need to know that. Um, the idea is that you know context it means that it's it's part it's part of you. It's not it's not the, it's not the whole the whole thing. Um, you know, uh, I have lots of, there's lots of aspects of me that I want to share or not share in any given context. And that should be completely up to me. Um, my medical records, I totally want to share them with my doctor. I have no interest in sharing them with you. There's just, there's just no reason. So like in the context of our, uh, of our friendship, you know, of our, of our working relationship, we share lots of things. My medical records are not are are not are not are not one of them. You know my 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 hat my habits for you know uh, you know the weird thing I like to like to do on Thursday night. It, it, it's just I don't want to. Do it. But there's a different group of people. The people that I do the weird thing, you know, whatever. Like with them, I do want to share that. So in in crypto, you know, on the internet, it's really hard to be forgotten. Everything's there. In crypto, it's even worse. Right, like you go to you go to my my Ethereum address and you can like see forever all of the activity I had. We can't we can't base everything on like one wide open context that that everybody can see all the parts of that nobody 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 wants that nobody wants that. Um, people probably make the mistake of doing that more than they mean to. Um, Adam Stoller, the founder of Reddit, he likes to give the example. He's like, you know, if you if you offered people, hey, you know, give me your name, address, and social security number, and I'll give you a free Big Mac, you'd have a line of people lined up for free Big Macs, because like they don't they just don't like think it through. So just because people make the mistake of being willing to 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 give more than they should, uh, it's our job to to build tools that make it so they don't they don't have to without thinking about it. So what I'm hearing, and I think I agree with a lot of this because, you know, what, what I think about in terms of reputation and context, the, the, the framing for me in terms of context is from the verifier's perspective, right? So in terms of reputation, um, if I am an organization and I want to see if you're a reputable actor in the, in the, in the ecosystem, in my community, the context is to identify or signal the reputable attributes to determine whether you are or not, right? So from that context, as an organization, I will create some sort of like model or some sort of, um, uh, you know, list of things that I need to uh, identify from a particular person, whether they are reputable. So that's the context is my needs. What I like about what you're saying is that context also applies in terms of our own personal individual needs and our expectations of privacy as well. So context being, I choose to present this information to you because that's who I am to you at this given moment in time. So there's almost kind of like this play between context between the individual and the organization or the person who is presenting themselves and the person that wants to verify some sort of action or individuality about that person. So it's it's quite interesting because I feel like we're kind of marrying, at least from my perspective, how I use context and from the perspective of yourself and, and Bright ID in terms of how you view context for uh, at the user level. It's also interesting to think about 
context from a privacy perspective, which I think is the point you were making. It's there is information that you should reveal and information that you don't necessarily need to reveal. And you touched on something that to me, and I think to many of us who are working on decentralized identity, is an important piece or component to how we build our digital identities. And that is in terms of how this information is stored and accessed, right? You were talking about how the internet remembers everything, but crypto and the blockchain is probably even worse. This idea of immutability is quite scary. You put this information on chain, right? That's there forever. So it's interesting to kind of think through this um, idea or concept of like digital identity, especially as it relates to decentralized systems, if we're wanting to reveal that information and share it in a public ledger. So it's wonderful to hear also that like Bright ID takes the stance of like, we neither put this information on chain, nor do we collect any of this information anyways. So, so let, me, let me give you an example. Um, in Bright ID, if you get, get the app, as you're, as you're setting it up, it asks for your name and photo. And people are like, oh, I don't use my name. First off, you can use any name and photo you want. If you want to use a picture of a cat, you, you, go, you go right ahead. The, the name and photo, when, when you make a connection to someone in Bright ID, they get your name and photo, but they only get it peer-to-peer. We don't, we don't store it in, 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 in the middle. It's not, it's not ours. You just like sent it, you sent it to them, so they have it. If five minutes later, you go and change your photo, your name and photo in Bright ID, that's fine. You connect to the next person. They'll get the new one that you just uploaded. And the old person will not have the new one because you, you didn't give them the new one. You only gave them the old one. Uh, it happened at a, at, a time in, at a time and place. Uh, so I can, I can be, if in, if in this context, I'm Philip, and that's just how I want to be known. In this other context, I'm UBI promoter. That's totally fine. From from Brett Eddy's perspective, it didn't matter that my name was Philip or UBI promoter. It didn't matter if it was my picture or a picture of a cat. None of that has anything to do with. That's just being human readable. That's like it's like an ENS. It's kind of like an ENS name, right? It's just like how do you how do you resolve this long hexadecimal string down to something that people can understand? But unlike ENS, we're not going to limit you and say you have to use one everywhere. Uh, I have had ENS accounts, but I've never really deeply used one. Because I don't even like the idea of just like showing up on Etherscan for everyone to see that it's me without even digging. I get that they can do it with some digging, but most people can't and like won't. So I actually couldn't quite couldn't quite get myself there to like label myself that way. When you look on the Brightity social graph, it's just it's just these sort of pseudonymous nodes that are connected to each other. Now, when you look at the graph loaded up with the information that you have. So I'm a very well-connected Reddit user. When I load up the social graph, I can see names and photos of the people that gave them to me, but only I can see those because I, like, I, I, I have them. Um, so that's just a, a, di- a different way. The, the other important thing is that when you, when you link to an application in Reddit, they get nothing beyond the answer to the verification question that they asked. They don't get your name. They don't get your photo. They don't even get your bright ID. They don't know where you are in the social graph. They just know that you meet some criteria that was defined by the application. And there's a variety of of criteria that they could ask about, verifications we call them. Um, There's not one answer. So you you bring up something interesting here, and I kind of want to dig into that because I think this also leads us into the next uh, part of the discussion, and that's Aura, 
right? So you talked about the social graph. And in my opinion, firstly, I don't think that we've even seen the uh, decentralized identity summer, if you want to call it that, right? I think that we've started to see a bunch of projects start working on this problem, right? And finding really interesting uh, ways to solve it. Maybe some are doing it the right way. Maybe some are doing it the wrong way. You know, I'm here to just celebrate the fact that there's a multitude of people that have taken interest in this and are working towards finding innovative ways of solving this. So I I still think that we've yet to see uh, Decentralized Identity Summer. But there's another piece to this that I think is hugely important, and that's the social piece. I think the, 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 you know, both social fi, if you want to look at it that way, but also social graphs specifically for me are hugely interesting because there's something to these graphs, to the connections that we make in these social spaces. Bright ID, for instance, I think is probably one of the coolest social graphs that I've seen. Tell me a little bit about Aura and maybe the role that it plays in this social graph. And maybe just start by introducing Aura. Yeah, so I'll go one step back. So originally when we started creating Bright ID, we thought that that everybody was sort of gonna gonna participate in building the social graph and regulating the social graph. Um, what we found in the years of doing this is that a small percentage of people think it's really cool and want to be part of building and regulating the social graph, and a whole bunch of people just want to get verified. That like to them, Bredity isn't like a cool thing, and it doesn't need to be. It's 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 like a passport. You're not like, oh yeah, I got a passport. You're like, no, cool. Now I get to go on my international vacation. That's what you want. It's not that you want the passport. It's you want what it allows you to do. And Bright ID is the same thing. We don't expect most people to be like, oh yeah, I got my Bright ID. It's super verified. No, they just want to be able to access the applications that they want. But there is this, there is this minority of people, I don't know, one, two, three percent of people that, that want to be part of the process. They want to understand how it works. Aura empowers those people uh, in, a, in a flexible, decentralized way to help police the graph, help grow the graph, and figure out who should be verified. So uh, I have a lot of connections. Um, so I have, I don't know, 1,500 connections because I used to go to these, these online meet parties to help, to help people out. But I don't know, I'm connected to like 200 people that I really, that I really know. So I can, I can provide a much more useful answer about the uniqueness of that person, about like 200 people versus the 1,500 people. Uh, and as, a, as an Aura player, um, I, can, I can provide much better information t- to the verification algorithms. Uh, that's that's the, the basic idea. Aura is, is a game for the people that care, but it's, it's, they, can, they can help the whole of, of all of humanity get, get, get verified. So why, what, what is the, um, the, the vision for Aura in terms of uh, activating these individuals to participate in this game? And how is Aura making this kind of interesting uh, in terms of how maybe identities are verified? I, I mean, really, we're just trying to get basically authority into the hands of people that deserve it, that will use it, that will use it well. That's uh, in in aura. We call that energy. So you, if you ha- you have energy, you 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 pass it to others. Um, interesting thing in in aura and, and energy. Um, you can't you can't hoard it. So 
it you get it you get it from someone else, but you can't keep it. All you can do is pa- is is like pass it on to the next person, and and it's this it's this weird power iteration formula that's just like constantly flowing the energy through multiple through multiple steps. Um, it's kind of how uh, PageRank originally worked. It's it's sort of the Google search algorithm kind of idea of like where do you where do you where do you end up uh, in in Google if you like jump around between the hyperlinks of the internet, you keep ending, you keep ending up in the reputable places because like they point to each other uh, and they don't point to the lousy places. The lousy places point to the reputable places, but the reputable places don't point to the lousy places. Um, so if you just keep walking, even though people try to throw all kinds of junk, yeah, I mean, most of the Google search results, they're pretty darn good. They usually like that, that first page is probably what you want. Um, so the the aura players are are the the people that that we say hey we're going to we're going to listen to these but they're all they're all policing each other because if you're an aura player and you see something that that you don't like if it's directly sort of in stream with you it, then so if i have energized you in aura and i see that you're doing shenanigans I can just cut you off and and now i'm not giving you energy anymore and you have less and maybe i could tell other people that that I know that are also giving you energy. Hey, don't don't give energy to Humpty. Look, look look at what he's look at what he's doing with it. Um, or I give it to you, and then you give it to your friend Mary. Okay, so if Mary's doing a good job, that's great. If Mary's doing something sketchy, I don't even know Mary. I don't even know her name is Mary because she's just a pseudonymous dot on the graph. But I see it's going, and I and I come to you and I say, Humpty, there's something sketchy going on downstream from you. You need to go fix this. Um, so you go talk to them and you figure out, oh, actually they just, they just went back to their high school reunion and they, they got everyone in their old town signed up and it's not a, it looked sketchy, but it's not a Sybil attack and you still trust her and cool. Uh, or they don't have a good answer. Yeah, either you cut her off, which fixes the problem. And if you won't do that, I cut you off. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. So there's two things here. So first of all, let's define a Sybil attack because I'd like to assume that our listeners um, probably don't know some of the language we're using. And then let's also visit in terms of like how this new system with Aura, how this game is improving the space of Sybil resistance as well. Yeah. So Sybil attack, unfortunately, it's a bad word. It's it's Sybil with a capital S, Sybil the name. Uh, it comes from a, from a movie uh, decades ago, where where a woman had multiple personality, but it, but it is the term that is widely used to describing having more than one account in a system. Um, you know, it reminds me of the the old New York New Yorker comic about like on the internet, no one knows you're a dog. Uh, it's easy to go in and have multiple accounts, and that is true in many in many online situations. It's not nearly so true in the physical world, right? If you if you walk into a room. It's hard to pretend to be two people in that room at the same time. If you walk into a digital space, it's really easy to pretend you're two people. And unfortunately, if you do this as a regular thing, it's actually quite easy to be a thousand people. Um, you know, Twitter and Facebook and Discord and gamer things and chat rooms, they're all full of sort of actors that are taking advantage of the system, showing up in multiple ways. Sometimes to extract, sometimes to dominate conversation. There's all sorts of bad reasons, but there's not very many good reasons that you should need to show up in any given context as more than one person at the same time. Like you want to have 
two Twitter accounts because you know one's your shit posting account and the other's like your professional account. Okay, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that, but you shouldn't be able to show up in a conversation with both those Twitter accounts and argue again, argue with yourself, mm. pretending to pretending to be two separate people. Pick a side. I don't care which side you of the argument you want to be on, but pick one. Um, or Twitter polls, right? Only one of those accounts should be should be like allowed to participate in Twitter polls, or else they're useless. Why should I be able to have a thousand votes in the poll? Useless poll. And most people don't know if you go if you go and Google buy Twitter poll votes, you'll find websites that for you know twenty bucks will sell you a thousand poll votes. All you do, and, and I did this once just to like verify. Oh my God, it really works this way. You, you just put the link to the poll, you tell it what answer you want selected, you use your credit card to pay, to pay your money, and 10 minutes later, there's a thousand votes on whatever you want. It, and it, it blew my mind that, that when, I, when I did that. I just had no idea it's, it's that bad. And, and, and people don't know that. They, I like Twitter, I used to like Twitter polls, um, and just completely and utterly corrupted. That's interesting. So I think some of the things that you're bringing up are, you know, the importance of civil resistance in social spaces, the importance of civil resistance in governance, because I think polls could be considered governance to to many people. Um, and yeah, civil resistance. And I think you mentioned uh, ClearFund uh, earlier in the conversation. So civil resistance when it comes to quadratic funding, right? I think for me, one of the biggest proponents for quadratic funding that I've been tracking for some time is Gitcoin. And I know they're probably one of the biggest advocates for Bright ID, at least early in my you know, journey uh, into decentralized identity. I saw the connection there. I was like, oh, okay, this makes sense. And I see why an organization like Gitcoin, Gitcoin Grant specifically, would want to have some civil resistance because there are people, bad actors out there, who see the value in exploiting the system to their benefit, right? Um, and so, you know, that that's really wonderful to see how uh, Bright ID has for m- some time now, a long time, been supporting the fight against civil attacks or sock puppet uh, attacks that I think I've also heard uh, being used. So as Aura continues to develop, what are some of the things that we can expect from it in terms of community engagement, in terms of improving the social graph, and in terms of just Bright ID becoming a more constant, uh, you know, uh, platform protocol for, uh, you know, verifying your identity and using it across, you know, all these decentralized applications. Yeah, so there's a whole bunch of things there. Um, so Bright ID needs to be both more accurate in its verifications and more scalable in getting more humans verified. We've been, we've been using a shortcut for over a year now, uh, these online meets party. That is not how Brightity was ever supposed to work. Uh, it kind of causes some problems in, in our system um, and, and isn't all that a- isn't, isn't super accurate. We happen to know that there are sibyls that have this meets verification. Uh, but important to know that Meets verification is just one of the many answers that an application could ask about uh, for its validation. We have other algorithms that run on the same social graph that produce much more accurate results, but it's a it's a, it's a higher hurdle. And uh, people are used to things happening really fast and easy, you know, in seconds by themselves. So we need 
we need to make it so people can get a more accurate answer without too much pain from them. And and Aura hopes to do that. The when some so right now there's uh, sixty some odd thousand people verified uh, in 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 Bread ID. When there's eventually 10 million people, the vast majority of them will never have the meets verification, despite the fact that like everybody has it now. In the future, they, they won't because we can't, we can't run 10, 000, 10 million people through the meets verification process. It's, it, nor, nor, should, nor should we. It's, it's, not, it's not good enough. It's not decentralized enough. Not enough people can be involved in it. Or, uh, so right now, in order for someone to get the, like, the magic meets powers like they need to come become in our part in our in our inner circle they need to be like granted those powers sort of from a somewhat centralized group in aura once that energy starts starts flowing out it just keeps flowing you don't need to ask any permission so i gave some energy to you you can go give it to whoever you want i i can't i can't stop you and especially right if i don't like what you're doing with it i can stop giving you energy but if other people are giving you energy I have no 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 way to 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 impact that other than to say other than just like put my opinion out that hey you, you sh- y'all shouldn't be sending energy over here but everybody gets to make gets to make their own their own their own choices and in addition to that we're starting aura with one sort of energy team we call it uh, but in the future there's going to be multiple energy teams that's that that have their like genesis of their energy flowing out in different places so if if one energy team gets corrupted doesn't matter there's there's going to be other energy teams that have like over overlapping uh opinions about the graph and no no one of them is essential it, it that's one of the most important things about bright id is the 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 data itself the is it's just a public database those things really did happen. They're cryptographically secure. It's like, you know, it's transactions on a blockchain kind of thing. Um, what that means is up for anybody's interpretation. So anyone that wanted could write an algorithm that analyzed the graph in any way that they want and offer a verification that any application could choose to use as, as, its, as its test. And we don't, ha- we don't have to agree. There's there's already three different verification types that are used by different applications, and and that's fine. So there's two things here that you said that I just wanted to emphasize because I think it's for me at least it kind of struck a chord. One of them was talking about how a lot of the people currently that are getting verified through Bright ID are getting this meets tag, right? Because that's how they're coming through. Uh, and getting their verification on Bright ID. I like this idea of how in the future to be able to scale this, there needs to be multiple on-ramps. And I think that that's just really cool to kind of think of that in terms of like identity generation, verification, being like this 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 multiple on-ramp playground, right? Where you can come through, sure, maybe the traditional or at least what currently is a traditional way of verifying your identity, but maybe there's like these ecosystem parties like in real life where you can come and connect. You know, obviously I think Web3 has a lot of different conferences and events worldwide where Bright ID could be kind of one of these key passports into the Web3 ecosystem where people are getting their verification. There's these one-on-one opportunities to connect with me and my family, for instance. So I like how we start both growing but breaking up the way that we connect 
into the ecosystem through Bright Idea. I think that's really, really interesting. The other one was the the point that you were making about Bright ID or Aura, excuse me, in terms of the way or, or the, the groups, the teams that are verifying these are, are doing the verification, how this is going to be multiple teams playing in that Aura game. It sounds like what you're building with Aura is a multiplayer game as well. So that's kind of interesting. I really like that because I think in addition to decentralized identity being, I think, a key component of the future of Web3 I, and, and, and social as well, I also think, I think one of the things that we're missing in this space still that are going to be helpful to take that to the next level is making this, uh, introducing gamification. Okay, so we've gone through Bright ID, we talked about Aura, we've looked at the ecosystem, we've seen some of the different ways that it's being applied. We see the vision for it in the future. I mean, anything else here that uh, we didn't ask that you think we should be talking about? One thing I'll say is, there's a variety of projects that are that are that are working on this. I don't think anyone has cracked it. I do hope that we see, you know, digital self-sovereign identity summer uh, at some point. My my biggest focus is getting an answer to this problem. Um, it doesn't it doesn't have to be Bright ID. I think Bright ID is really compelling. But if somebody else figure this out, great. We we need the solution more than I need Bright ID to be it. Um, right now, when I look out, the only thing that I see that could be like scalable to world scale is WorldCoin, and WorldCoin terrifies me. Um, you know, you literally stare, you, 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 get your, you get your retinas scanned by a scary metal orb that is not, has not been open and transparent about exactly how it works, what's going to happen with that data, uh, who, who runs things. It's got a really strange economic model for something that says it's going to be you no know, money for the whole world. So... Uh, uh, for over a year now, I've been framing this as Aura versus the Orb, um, and if we do, if we don't figure out how to do this in this in this open, completely open, privacy preserving, decentralized way, then there's going to be a centralized solution to it, and there will be serious dystopian parts about that. So, uh, just kind of want to. Want to throw that out there? Well, it's funny you mentioned that because I was just recently talking to someone about digital identity, and Worldcoin came up, and I have similar apprehensions to you uh, about that. So, I I am thrilled to see a lot of different uh, ways of kind of getting to this and trying to find a solution, but we should be wary of those who are uh, a not being transparent and two potentially dystopic uh, scenarios. Uh, in terms of uh, where you know that data and how that data is uh, collected, stored, uh, distributed, shared. So yeah, I agree with you. And, and I'll point out a huge part of Bright ID's growth and a huge part of Worldcoin's growth has been in low-income countries. Um, so th- they're the ones that are going first on a lot of this stuff. So they're going to have to deal with the brunt of the problems. That that may that may that may come of it. So they're the guinea pigs. If they're a guinea pig on Bright ID, we don't have any data on on them. Worldcoin has your retina scans. You can never change them. If you don't like your Bright ID, get a different one. Yeah, yeah. It's that revocability, isn't it? Like you can revoke uh, your account uh, on Bright ID. Uh, you can't revoke 
your eyeballs. So <laughs> it, the biometrics and especially biometrics that are stored and, um, you know, we don't have any transparency into how that is shared is quite scary. So the last question that I usually ask here is, you know, as a podcast who is framed around helping onboard people into this ecosystem, make this, uh, you know, feature kind of the variety of ways that we are building in this space. I like to relate to our audience better who they should be following, who they should be reading in terms of their own personal journeys into the space. So my question to you then is who or what has been influential to you in your crypto journey? Is it something you've read? Is it someone that you follow? Who or what is that? Uh, yeah, I'll throw some a few people. Uh, you know, one is is the co the founder of Breddity, Adam Stollard. Um, it is such a, a deep systems thinker about about all of this, and so appreciative of all that that he has brought. Uh, Kevin Awaki, um, founder of Gitcoin, now disassociated. Uh, Oren McMillan, who created ClearFund, uh, has helped me understand a lot. You, Humpty. Uh, have have been have been wonderful. Uh, Santi Siri, who created Proof of Humanity, uh, Paula Berman, who helped on Proof of Humanity, uh, among among many others working on this space. You know, this is this is not something that any of us do uh, do individually. Uh, it's a big hairy problem, and it's going to take a big collective group effort to to solve it. And from the beginning, the Bright ID team has always tried to be collaborative with all the other projects trying to uh, work in this space because no one knows how to do this yet, um, but collectively humanity needs to figure it out. And that's a wrap. To learn more about Philip and Bright ID, you can follow them on Twitter at UBI Promoter and Bright ID Project, respectively. And please don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you are listening to this podcast. And give us a five-star review. It helps other people like you discover this content. To discover the full podcast archive, you can go to our website at cryptosapiens.xyz. Until next time, stay brainy.